Dear Jesus, we're thankful for your blessings. We're thankful for this conference. Time that we can come together and share. Share about what you are doing in our lives. How it is you are using us to reach others. We can hear testimonies from around the world about your work. Now for the next uh, short time here as we are thinking about a combined ministry. Pastors and physicians working together. I ask that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, um, allow each person here to catch a new vision for something new that they can do to serve you and to hasten your coming. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's see here if this is working. Um, Those of you who are here for song service this morning, I was amused by my father-in-law. Far and near the fields are? Teeming. Teeming, but of course he explained that we should be spelling it this way because who needs to be teaming up? Physicians and ministers, or should we say pastors, because we're all ministers, exactly right, aren't we? We're all ministers. So pastors and physicians, pastors and doctors, we need to be working together. Amen? Uh, So far and near, the fields are teeming. Hopefully that will be true. And then I already referenced uh, Wes Pepper's talk. He said this, I wrote it down, true ministers and true physicians aren't that different. All of them are supposed to be working for the eternal good of every single soul that they come in contact with, right? So physicians and ministers aren't really that different. This talk um, is kind of a follow-on last year. I know Teeny was here. Any of you here in my talk last year? I worked with, yeah, Elvin Adams was here. Um, I shared with Patty Guthrie and with my pastor, Chris Anderson. And um, we talked about the tale of two churches. South Bay is a church that I attend. And it's a very different church than the Mount Shasta Church where Patty Guthrie attends. But uh, both of us, our churches had this in common, that we read Elvin Adams' book. And if you have not read this book, then talk with this gentleman over here and figure out how you can get one. Um, I ordered a couple cases of them, and I give them to every single person who is active in health ministry at our church, and I ask them to read it so that we're all on the same page. It's very practical, and um, principles and practice of health evangelism. Um, This is kind of the stuff that Chris Anderson and I were kicking around for this talk. I'll just put my notes up there. Um, These things in bold are some of the things that we were most interested in sharing, and it's highly ironic that Chris is not here to help me out. We're supposed to be a team. And Chris, if you're listening to this on Audioverse, I still haven't quite forgiven you for ditching me. But he's doing a good work. We're in the middle of our evangelistic series, and he's preaching tonight on baptism. And so he couldn't really be here and follow up on all the interests that have been created there. Um, We have several people there attending as a direct result of our health evangelism at least two that I can think of. Um, One is a Catholic, and the other I'm not sure what uh, his background is. But it's been inspiring to be able to work together with Pastor Chris in this evangelistic series. Um, He works together with us on all the health evangelism of the church. I think he's the MC or there to provide 
spiritual uh, support and a spiritual thought at pretty much every single program that we do. And just uh, two days ago, I had to share about the Mark of the Beast at the Evangelistic Series. So that was, um, that was exciting to be able to participate in that. And then the week before, I was able to preach about Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 and the United States and Bible prophecy and those sorts of things. Um, I think it's important that pastors and physicians work together in both of these realms, don't you? We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, he should have been here to talk a little bit more about this. It was as a result of coming to Amen that um, he became excited about health evangelism and uh, kind of by way of personal biography, I am the health evangelism coordinator for our church. Um, but I have to say it was actually, it's not usually the way it works. Usually there will be some physician or other healthcare professional at a church that says, we need to do some health evangelism. I just went to Amen and this is going to be exciting, let's do it. On our church we were already doing some health evangelism largely as a uh, function of being planted recently from the Eastridge Church, which is very active in health work. But uh, Chris Anderson came to Amen and read uh, the principles and practice of health evangelism, and he was the one who came to me and said, we need to do more of this. We need to do it this way. And that was inspiring to see how he was able to connect with another pastor here uh, from the Greenville Church, uh, Jeremy Arnall, and they're, of course, very active in health evangelism as well, and share ideas and see how things are working back and forth. Um, so I wish he was here to share his perspective on some of those things, but again, he has to preach about baptism tonight, so I guess we'll give him a pass this time. Um, also want to say that uh, there's a little bit of a holy competition here between Greenville and South Bay. We're winning this year. There are, uh, I think, 10 families from the South Bay Church here, and I think that's a testament to how excited we have become about health evangelism, and I'm excited to see that. And of course, I think the Greenville Church only has five families here. So, just calling them out. Maybe next year, they'll take the lead again. But is your pastor here? Are other members from your church here? It might be something to think about. What can you do to have your church, your entire church, become excited about health evangelism? So, we're going to talk about some of these things. And here are the learning objectives that were printed in the program. This is a CME activity you need CME, be sure to sign your name out at the booth, and they'll have, you'll have to fill out an online evaluation of this course and how well we do at covering these three learning objectives. I'm not quite sure of the best way to go through this. One, two, three. There are ten people here. There are ten people here. Thank you for pointing that out, Teeny. That's very convenient. Because I just so happen to have 10 quotations from the Spirit of Prophecy, Elvin Adams is going to give you one. And we're going to take a short break while you read it, think about it, and then I'm going to come around with this microphone and ask you to share your thoughts about what that quotation says about ministers and physicians working together.
So take just a moment to read that over, meditate on it, think about it. We'll also have them on the screen. And just because you're not limited to sharing about your own quotation, you'll be able to look at everyone else's as well. And if there are some additional thoughts, we'll share those as well. Take about two or three minutes right now just to think about that, pray about that. If any of you have additional quotations in the back of your mind that you'd like to share, feel free to look those up on your iPhone. And we will, I'll set a timer here for about two or three minutes and we'll talk together some more. So I'm going to walk around, try to do all of these things at once. Who has number one? Number one. They are numbered. You have number one. That's wonderful. And what's your name? That's right. Donna. Feel free to hold that. I think we've, uh, we'll put it on the screen so everyone, is that the one you have up there? Mm -hmm. I think it is. Why don't you just read that and then tell us some of your thoughts on it. All right. So let the medical workers present the important truths of the third angel's message from the physician viewpoint. Physicians of consecration and talent can secure a hearing in large cities at times when other men would fail. As physicians unite with ministers in proclaiming the gospel in the great cities of the land, their combined labors will result in influencing many minds in favor of truth for this time. This is a long one. It's very much self-explanatory, but as healthcare providers, we are seen by our patients as all-knowing, <laughs> where to go to. They invite us into their intimate lives. They're vulnerable to us. And therefore, they tend to trust the doctors or the healthcare provider. Now, as Sister White says that, if the Christian physician or Christian healthcare provider, if we surrender our lives to Christ and allow him to work with us and in us, then, of course, we can do far more, reach people that even some gospel workers are unable to reach. And I can give you some... Um, some of my stories. I had a local physician called me uh, a couple of months ago. She sent me a text and she said, oh, I'm on my um, last cycle of chemotherapy. Hmm. And I said, what? I didn't know you had cancer. She said, yes, I had breast cancer. She, that particular physician, she's a non-Seventh-day Adventist, but she knows that I'm an Adventist doctor and she called me to ask me if she could come to my church and have my pastor um, anoint her. Wow. Physician doctors, I mean, Christian physician, if we surrender our lives, then God will use us. Now, many times you might think, well, I don't know the third angel's message. I am not a pastor. I don't know this or I don't know that. But that's where Sister White speaks about the combined ministry where the, the healthcare provider should work along with the pastor. 
And that is the true form of evangelism. Now, I've had the privilege in working with many different pastors, whether it's in a health evangelism or general evangelism, and combining, because many people are open to hearing about health, physical health. And therefore, if, we, if they know that they're going to be learning how to take better care of their health, then we probably will have them a little bit more open also to healing the soul. So I really do believe that um, if we dedicate our lives as Christian physicians, then the Lord can use us mightily. Amen. And I'll just give you, can I take a second? (laughs) Before you do, back up and tell me more about the lady who had breast cancer. Oh, yes. Why did she decide, I know you're a Seventh-day Adventist, I want your pastor to anoint me. Why was that? Okay, so I shortcut the story. So I have a television show, and I had invited her to come and discuss breast cancer on my show. Hmm. So I invited a group of female physicians, and I said, we're going to discuss um, physician, I mean, female health. So her topic was breast cancer, and she said, would you know that three months after I discussed breast cancer on your show, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, of course, I'm known in the community as a, as, a, as, a, as a Christian doctor. She didn't ask her pastor. She knows about her lifestyle because I promote lifestyle medicine. She knows about how we eat and all of that. So she did not go to her church, but she came to my church. So on the Sabbath, that she, I called my pastor, and, and on the Sabbath, the pastor spoke about lifestyle, surrendering your life and eating differently and lifestyle medicine in general. So she came... And she got anointed. Then she had her mastectomy. And would you believe that she had no cancer seen in the lesion? She was totally healed. And that was a miracle. And she has since returned to her church. She has changed her lifestyle. She's now eating a plant-based. She meditates and all of that. As Christian physician... And, and as the, the doctor, Dr. Simmons spoke this morning, what are people seeing in you? What imprints are we, are we leaving? And we just have to reflect Christ always. Amen. Thank you. As I look at this quote, um, and as I said previously, it's important that physicians and uh, pastors work together. But uh, does anyone want to comment about what the third angel's message from the physician's point of view might look like? Yeah, Greg's got his hand up. Um, Because you remember the third angel's message, right? It's kind of, shall we say, direct, strong. What's the physician's point of view on that? Well, I I can only voice my understanding. Um, Ellen White says that the third angel's message is the righteousness of Christ in verity, right? Mm -hmm. And my understanding of the righteousness of Christ, it's, it's the ber- perfect harmony of the law and the gospel coming together mm-hmm. as, it was wi- as we witnessed it in Jesus and as we bring Jesus into the center. And so as we're discussing the um, medical problem that the patient has and we're talking about the principles of health, we are talking about the laws of health. And that relates directly to um, the law of God and Jesus wants us to talk about the law of God um, to help the person understand how to go in the right direction. 
But he wants us to have the compassion of Christ and the gospel of Christ mixed in with the law, um, so to speak, as you're discussing the health problem and to take them to Jesus in that verbally, um, actually talking to them about the great physician and taking them to the great physician. So you're, you're, in, your, in your emotions, your attitude, you want to have compassion and yet also uphold the standards that you, that you know the person needs to reach to, to reach health or to obtain health. Thank you. I was wondering, maybe Twinkies are the mark of the beast there, but um, that's not so far removed, is it? I mean, that's natural law. And we want to understand the connection between God's law and natural law. Yes, Dr. Kelly. I, I just want right to... Mike. Yes, I would like to just... Uh, I immediately turn to uh, Revelation 14, 9, and 10 to refresh my mind. Mm-hmm. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive the mark in his forehead... I'm sorry, receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And I looked at this, uh, present the important truths, plural, of the third angel's message from the physician's viewpoint. And I was asking myself, what is the physician's viewpoint on important truths from these two verses and I don't uh, but here's the thoughts that came to me and I'd I love to hear others thoughts about this very thing but what came to my mind is that the uh, third angel's message is talking about the forcing of the conscience hmm. to worship um, in essence an image made to um, the Sunday law the, the mark that that the Catholic Church claims is the evidence of their power uh, and their authority. And we, we as physicians, two things came to mind. One is we increasingly are understanding the relationship between the mind and the body and, between, and the importance of the conscience uh, in good health. Hmm. And so how I would approach this, because the rest of this quote says... Um, Physicians of consecration and talent can secure a hearing in large cities at times when other men would fail. So what I understand this text to be saying to me and us is that if we consecrate ourselves and and have spent the time to get the training and knowledge to have talent, that God will give us the opportunity to have uh, an audience when other people can't raise an audience. And I believe that the way we do this is part of it is that we need to uh, think and play, like I give talks, I'm sure you do too. And whenever we give a talk, we create a presentation. We put together our thoughts. We have learning objectives. And I, be, I have been working and asking God to help me to prepare those very presentations, to be prepared to give a talk on the three angels, the third angel's message from a physician's perspective, which would not be, in other words, uh, primarily from the Bible although it would be biblical, but it would be from physiology, from, from psychology, from the physician's perspective. Thank you. Yes, real quick. I really just believe... just the first quote. We have nine more to go. Yeah, so. I really believe... <laughs> I really believe um, in this, what Ellen G. White is saying. How do we lead our patient to Christ, to saving the soul, and not only the, the body? That's what I really believe, even though she used the third angel message. But finally, what we want is eternal life. Amen. And how do we do that? 
That's what we really need to think about. Thank you. Did you have a comment as well? Yes. I, I just wanted to comment on the part secure hearing because uh, we often think that's maybe in a hall or a, a presentation, but mm -hmm. in our day and age, those hearings can be in any different media form. Oh, wow. Be television, point. can be radio, it can be, mm -hmm. I mean, these things are broadcast over everything, social media, I mean, these are things that we, I think, need to start thinking about, about how we can secure a hearing in large cities. Very good. Um, today, attention your eyeballs are the prime thing that is sold on the internet. You understand that, right? That's why everything on the internet is free. Well, it's not free. They're selling your eyeballs, your advertising. Real quick. <laughs> I swear, we've got, we got nine more to go, remember? And then that's just the first learning objective. I really appreciate John's comments. And I think both Greg and I had the same response when we saw, for the first time I had ever seen, the physician's viewpoint. Right. And our viewpoints as physicians have always, as we treat people, included the concept of informed consent. Mm, and good. that, as relating to the 30 Angels message, is absent. Mm. We're talking about forced, coercive behavior. Whereas from a physician's viewpoint, we do not force or we should not coerce through the manipulation of information so that a patient chooses a line of treatment for them because we want them to. Good. We should allow them freedom and let the truth set them free to make their decisions. Right. And, and for me, that's the physician's viewpoint that I'm developing just in the like moment that. on that. Yeah. And I'm, I ask myself this question when I read this. It says, it talks about, you know, physicians, our consecration, our talent to secure hearing where others fail. That to me indicates a, a, a status. And that when we combine labors, we must ask ourselves, are you willing to then take the respect and um, awe that people have for you in your profession and share or even transfer it to the, to the minister of the gospel rather than, shall we say, hog the stage. I'm the physician. I'm going I'm to tell you what you must know and do. Can we share the, um, the, the eyeball time? Or, you know, when that, when that hearing is secured, will you give that away to your pastor partner? Would you even be willing to give away your time and salary so that he can have enough to put a roof over his head and make sure his kids get an education just like yours did? Well, who has number two? Thank you all for sharing. That's wonderful. All right. Teeny, put it up on the screen there. That is number two, isn't it? Ah, uh, yes. 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 Okay. Yes. If our physicians and our ministers can work together in the presentation of the truth to the people, more can be reached than could be influenced by the minister laboring alone. Amen. Very true. I agree. That's, that's <laughs> um, relieving. The, the reason... Okay. Uh, I, I believe one of the greatest reasons for this is that um, when... We are working together. We can influence people, but also people today will come to a health program that would never come to a spiritual program. We see that all the time in our, in, at our center. We've seen it in our ministry that there are people that would come to our cooking school, to our stress seminar, to our wellness programs, to all of our health programs but wouldn't come. But once they come to these programs and we share 
very wisely, we share Christ right there in the health programs, then we see that the people are open to spiritual things. And we invite them to our spiritual programs. In fact, in our cooking schools and many of our health programs, we do this. But we will just literally, uh, at the end or near the end of our health program, say it's a cooking school, we will say something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been coming now for the last four weeks. We have two more weeks to go. And we've given you principles that will help you to live even 10 to 12 years longer. And so many of you have been thrilled and come up to us and said, we love this program. Thank you for um, giving us these years of life. But you know what? We want to give you a million trillion years of life, eternal life. And so if you would like to come to our next program called Revelation of Hope, we would like you to just fill up ushers. Would you just pass out the programs right now? And just pass out the brochures, not programs, but the brochures. And the ushers will pass out the brochures. And inside the brochure, we will have a pre-registration card. And on that pre-registration card, we'll say, if you would like to pre-register for Revelation of Hope, the next one that will give you uh, eternal life, then you can just sign up for that and we'll reserve you a seat and as you go out just hand it to the uh, host or hostess at the door and we have had literally scores and scores literally hundreds of people in fact in one program we had a hundred people that transitioned from our cooking school into our revelation of hope oh, and nice. so people are always wondering how can you transition from the health programs. You see, if we're just giving health education, then the community can do that. That's right. But if we're doing health ministry, then we as Seventh-day Adventists have a whole new, you know, responsibility. And so we feel that in every program that we conduct on health, that we give them an opportunity to come to our next program. Right now, we just finished um, our wellness program. We just have, right now, every Tuesday night, we have about 16, and we're just a little church. We're a new church that we've just raised up. And we have 16 non-Adventists that are coming, and we have some Adventists too, that are coming to the spiritual program on the parables every Tuesday night. And um, so I believe that if our physicians and ministers work together in presenting the truth, then more people will be reached because more people will come to health than if we try to give a Bible study. If we just try to go out and give a Bible study, if we knock on doors, for example, I teach people how to knock on doors and how to do surveys. And, you know, when we're out there knocking on these doors and we do a survey on biblical themes, we may get only a few people that will sign up for Bible studies. But if we go out there and knock on doors and then ask them the questions that we do, if there was only one lecture that could be held in town tonight, uh, which one would you be mostly interested in? Bible prophecy, uh, just general Bible study, health or family, and we'll have different options. 
by and large, and I've done thousands of these all over the world. I did door knocking down in Australia, and it was amazing down in Melbourne, Australia. And we will have more people that will respond to the health. But the key is this that we've learned over 53 years. <laughs> the key is that if you're going to say, if you're going to put that on your, on your uh, survey, what do you have to give to the people? So we give to the people, oh, yes, well, we're having a uh, natural lifestyle cooking school. And here's a brochure we're beginning in just two weeks from tonight. And so we would like you to sign up. Or we're having a stress management program or a wellness program. Here is the brochure. So when they're interested in something, then you give them something. And so we have... We're, I believe that if we work together, if a pastor tries, and my husband is a, an effective pastor, an effective worker, an evangelist. Who, who's your but, husband again? Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's your husband? Uh, but look, but the thing is this, if he has to work alone, then he cannot influence the way that if we have our physicians and and our medical people giving health programs and working together. You're never going to have that influence. And the other reason that it's going to be more influence is that I feel that as we get teams together, God is going to bless so much more. Because you know what? There's no star evangelist. There's no star preacher. There's no star worker. There's no star physician. God wants everybody to be a star. And as we work together, God is going to bless a hundredfold more. So I believe that we will influence more and we will have more results if we can work together. And I have a burden for us to work together. So I, we just are going to open a new um, health retreat center. I just want to say this one more thing. that it, it, We're going to open up a new health retreat center. It's for pastors because our pastors have no place to go. And we just bought... Um, a $1.2 million building on 10 acres of land. And, but now I just got the idea when we're here that we need to have some of our pastors coming with some of our physicians and we need to combine them because as they work together, we're going to have more results. Good. So we just got a new idea right here. We'll see the fruits of that. Who has number three? Thank you, Teeny. And who has number four? All right, good. You guys are kind of sitting beside each other. For sake of time, here's what I'm going to do. You don't have to read the whole thing out loud. It's going to be on the screen. I'll give people a few seconds to read it. I'm going to look at both three and four, and they're kind of complementary, as you see. So, actually, I guess for sake of the recording, go ahead and read it really quick there, Franklin. The gospel minister should preach the health principles, for these have been given of God as among the means needed to prepare a people perfect in character. Therefore, health principles have been given to us that as a people, we might be prepared in both mind and body to receive the fullness of God's blessing. The medical missionary work has its place and part in this closing gospel work. All right. Thank you. That continues. This is the same article. This is, uh, the, I, I split it up just for sake of space on the screen. This is the same continuation here. And see if you see how these things are related. The Christian physician has a high calling. With his fuller knowledge of the human system and its laws, he is in a position to preach the gospel of salvation with as much efficiency and power. 
the first and chief object of the gospel and all that pertains to it is to seek to save that which is lost. The ministry of the gospel, whether by the minister or the physician, is to reach out to a man, to man, a helping hand wherever it is needed. It is to minister to the sick and suffering physically, as well as to the sin-sick soul. Here, the gospel minister and the Christian physician unite, and the Bible worker in her visit from house to house as well. All right, thank you. So, Franklin, uh, any comments about yours? I think it might be helpful to uh, see Andrews as well there, and we'll give him a moment as well. Yeah, I like it. It's very direct that the gospel minister is charged with the responsibility of preaching health principles. It's, it's, it's not the older tra- traditional view that the gospel ministers preach the contents of, of, the, of the Bible or spirit prophecy. No. no, they're instructed that they should be expected to include in their messages, you know, preach, health principles. Uh, but that the reason given here is pretty clear. That the whole point of the health message is to foster and achieve a perfection of character. And that I'm inferring from this quote that we as a people, you know, given to us, are to get that as uh, we get first dibs. We're first in line to that. God gave that to us. And we're to accept that, act on it, and then we'll be prepared to use that to then expand the circle of influence to those who are not part of us as a people. Thank you. Andrew, any comments on your quote here? So here we saw the gospel minister is supposed to be doing what? Preaching health principles. So what about the physician? Uh, you know, the, yeah, the physician has a high calling, and we're to work together uh, with, the, with, the, with the pastor. Um, you know, I... I, and, and we're supposed to visit people in their houses. Look at that. House visits. Um, <laughs> something that's been lost nowadays, but maybe something that we should return to. Yeah, you'd... Supposed to calling the ministers to preach health. <laughs> <laughs> he is in the position to preach the gospel of salvation with much efficiency and power. Um, yeah, that... That that is quite striking, you know. I think that it's interesting that she's saying that here as a physician, we have a perspective that uh, maybe the ministers do not have, and the perspective that we bring will have much efficiency and power. Yeah, thank you. It's interesting. So I thought these quotes were excellent. Yeah, the gospel minister is to preach health principles. Here's why, as Franklin said to perfect the people and character. The Christian physician is to preach the gospel of salvation. This quote, uh, Pastor Chris found this, and it jumped out to him, and he wrote me an email. says, uh, I think you need to be preaching more, and I need to be doing more health classes. And it's true. Do you see that there is a unity that this calls for? Here, the gospel minister and the Christian physician unite. The ministry of the gospel, whether by the minister or the physician, it's the same thing. That goes along with what Wes Pepper said this morning. Thank you. Who has the next, uh, the next quote here? I do, All right, number five. Go ahead and read that very quickly and then uh, comments. Ministers and physicians are to work harmoniously with earnestness to save souls that are becoming entangled in Satan's snares. They are to point men and women to Jesus, their righteousness, their strength, and the health of their countenance. Continually, they are to watch for souls. 
There are those who are struggling with strong temptations, in danger of being overcome in the fight with satanic agencies. Will you pass these by without offering them assistance? If you see a soul in need of help, engage in conversation with them, with him, even though you do not know him. Pray with him. Point him to Jesus. This work belongs just as surely to the doctor as to the minister. By public and private effort, the physicians should seek to win souls to Christ. So, the, so again, this is um, bringing the harmonious uh, or, and similar activity of the physician and the minister that um, we need to be sensitive to those in need, um, listening to the Holy Spirit um, and directing people to Jesus, not just um, diagnosing them and giving them a treatment um, you know, in the traditional physician activity, but looking always to point um, our patience to Jesus when, whenever we can, uh, continuing watching for souls, thinking about where their soul is at and the str- temptations that they have and the struggles that they have in a spiritual sense so that we may pray with them and point them to Jesus who can fix that problem. You know, so much of what we deal with as physicians and health workers are spiritual problems. They may come in with a GI bleed, but they actually have a spiritual problem because of the alcoholism or whatever. And we so often in the hospital um, neglect that uh, fact and and don't adequately uh, um, take time with it. And so um, I think that uh, we can learn, if we spend more time with ministers and doing the spiritual work, we can learn how to, how to be more sensitive to that aspect and uh, can become uh, more skillful in our work to help um, people uh, have full healing, not just physical, but spiritual healing. Amen. Thank you. I think uh, Dr. Adams has uh, number six. Yeah, num- number six is really a condensation of what uh, you read in number five. And uh, it is speaking to the physician. It says there is to be no division between the ministry and the medical work. The physician should labor equally with the minister and with as much earnestness and thoroughness for the salvation of the soul as well as for the restoration of the body. And so I I think this is uh, telling us that the work of the minister and the the work of the physician is exactly the same as the minister. Uh, There's not to be any division. They need to work equally. And if you're really concerned about a diagnosis, uh, because you're a doctor, you should be equally concerned about the soul as the minister would be. Amen. Thank you. Number seven. Who has number seven? Dr. Kelly. In this effort in behalf of the cities, we, need, we greatly need the cooperation of all classes of laborers. Especially do we need the help that the physician can render as an evangelist. If ministers and physicians will plan to unite in an effort to reach the honest-hearted ones in our cities, the physicians, as well as the ministers, will be placed on vantage ground. As they labor in humility, God will open the way before them, and many will receive a saving knowledge of truth. You know, what I take out of this that we haven't 
really seen so plainly in previous texts, although it's very harmonious, is here especially the need of a physician as an evangelist. And um, uh, this is exciting to me because that's exactly what took me later in life uh, into medicine, was to be a medical evangelist. In fact, when I was in uh, my pre-med in my uh, 40s, I was being asked by my professors what I kind of medicine I wanted to do, and I said, I want to be a medical evangelist. So um, I'm unapologetic. I'm, I've asked God, Lord, make me a medical evangelist, and I believe he's uh, been honoring that. I'm very anxious to see what the rest of these texts have to say. Amen. Yeah, my uh, father-in-law would, uh, people ask him what his profession was, oh, I'm a gospel medical missionary health evangelist. And people would kind of look at him, and um, you could tell a lot about a person in their response to that. You could tell how much they history in our church they knew, and how much they had read of these type of quotations, and uh, that would kind of give them a hint of what to say next. Okay, who's got number eight? Dr. Ahamba. So, um, the importance of uh, making our way in the great cities is still kept before me. In this work, physicians and gospel ministers are needed. We must press our petitions to the Lord and do our best, pressing forward with all the energy possible to make an opening in the large cities. Had we in the past worked after the Lord's plans, many lights will be shining brightly that are going out. Um, this is a powerful um, text, and my initial impression um, when I read this was um, why the emphasis on bigger cities. Uh, what's even the difference between the bigger cities and the smaller cities? And the thought that came to me was that um, maybe it is because um, in the bigger cities we have more options. In the bigger cities we have more temptations that are peculiar to the bigger cities. In the bigger cities there are more distractions. So that means that um, as physicians and healthcare workers practicing in the bigger cities, we have a unique opportunity to reach out to souls in need. Um, oftentimes, I, I come in, just because of the area um, where I practice, oftentimes I come in touch with um, patients who have lost loved ones due to gun violence, um, maybe patients who are suffering from HIV AIDS, patients who have, um, have made mistakes in their lives due to the freedom of living in the midst of multiple options. So, so this test is a reminder to us that, of course, we've all established the fact that we need to work together with the ministers of the gospel. But as physicians in particular, we need to seek out the opportunities where we should actually work after the Lord's plan. It's interesting that God already has a plan, and that plan is well stated in the Bible, our job is to point out the, the plans of God to those who has predicted before us. Um, of course, you can say this might be, okay, the Ten Commandments, this might be the laws of health, but when we want to do it according to our own understanding of the patient's needs, that's when we fall into the same problem as the people who we, whom we seek to help, that there is a plan that God has laid out. Our job is to just follow the plan it doesn't really matter what the outcomes may be. Just point out your plans to the patients. One thought. 
You see there where it says, had we in the past worked after the Lord's plans? I would ask us, are we now working according to the Lord's plans? It's a good question. I have one minute left to do the two um, other learning objectives. So with your indulgence, I'm sorry, I, forget, I think I missed the two of you perhaps. I apologize. Here are the, uh, the quotations. Um, I will read them for sake of the recording and then without comment try to say something about the other two objectives here. Ministers and physicians, sound an alarm. Call upon the people of God to be true and faithful. Be on your guard. Remember that as you cooperate with God, you have as your helpers angels that excel in strength. Medical missionaries and workers in the gospel ministry are to be bound together by indissoluble ties. Um, you might remember, how many of you have read this book, De Sozo? Several of you have read it. If you haven't, I recommend it. It's kind of based on this quotation. When the gospel ministers and the medical missionary workers are not united, there is placed on our churches the worst evil that can be placed there. Do you believe that? Yes. It's very interesting to think that one through. It's from Loma Linda Messages, page 59. So this topic we're talking about is extremely important. Um, I don't have time to interview you, as I was hoping to, about this topic. I will tell you that I'm thankful Wes Peppers said this this morning, so it takes it off me. I'm not saying this, this is Wes. He said that pastors are sometimes what? He said lazy and incompetent. That's what he said, not me. I'm not saying that. And uh, if Pastor Chris, if you're listening, this is definitely not you. He's the type of pastor that will do all of the uh, janitorial work if you let him. So Wes Pepper said that sometimes, perhaps on average, pastors are perceived as lazy and incompetent. As I was talking with my wife about this, it does seem that if you can't... And again, Wes Pepper said this. If you can't figure out what else you're going to do going through college, I'll just be a minister. You heard that? It's true. It is terrible. On the other hand, doctors are sometimes... What did Wes Pepper say? Arrogant. Arrogant, cocky. They have a God complex. They're harsh. They're cutting. And as I've been thinking about this for quite some time. Do you see why the relationship dynamics between ministers and physicians could be strained at times? Yeah? yeah? yeah. Why is that? It seems to me that they are experts in different domains. I think on average, it's likely true that those who end up as physicians have higher IQs than average. Would you agree with that assessment? However, it also seems to me that those who end up being effective pastors might have higher EQs than average. The one work with facts and knowledge and statistics, pathways of care. The other work with people. And that's, in some cases, a lot harder, at least for me. Um, it might be... Well, here's another thing that I've thought about. The doctor is working with... I'll give you an example from my own life. I'm the top of the food chain. In the operating room, there's a group of probably 10 people that are only there to serve me and my needs so that I can help the patient. That goes to my head. Wes talked about that. It's very, I mean, it happens. Everybody there is saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, doctor. How can I help you, doctor? Whatever it is, I get it. I'd say, I need this instrument. Someone will run across the hospital. If need be, they will send someone in a car to another hospital to get the instrument that I need. I have that kind of authority, if you will. 
in my office. I have a nurse and a biller and a front desk, and I have all sorts of people, and they are all there to serve me and make me comfortable so presumably I can help the patients. Do they ever call me out on stuff? Do they ever tell me I'm lazy or incompetent? No, of course not, because I could fire them. Think about the pastor. A pastor is working with volunteers by and large. Have you thought about that? There's a whole different power dynamic there. They can just walk away. They can quit. The pastor does not have the same type of authority. It's a moral authority. It's not a um, more of a, I guess, a forced or authority, if you will. My patients aren't going to walk away from me. They have cancer. They're afraid they're going to die. But if a pastor preaches something that people don't like, what happens? They walk away. Can you, can you see the difference in the personalities that develop underneath those pressures? And what happens when those work together? Entirely different domains of knowledge, entirely different backgrounds, entirely different normal interactions on, with everyday life. And when those two people don't work together well, the worst evil is placed on our churches that can be placed there. Can you see how doctors and pastors might complement each other, however? Would it be helpful if you had someone with higher IQ to help, um, I'll use myself as an example, a uh, surgeon with perhaps lower than average EQ? Would that be helpful? Yes, it would. Would it also be helpful for our pastors perhaps to have some guidance from um, uh, someone who has more experience with quackery to guide in what might be wise and unwise health evangelism approaches? Can you see that that might be helpful as well? So there are different relationships that can develop between pastors and physicians. It can be very positive or it can be very negative. Allow me to say this. In your relationship with your pastor, I think it's very important that you recognize their authority. I'm speaking to physicians here. It's very important you recognize their authority, recognize that they have more tact than you do, that they approach people differently, and that that is valuable. And I think it's important that physicians tell their pastors that they have the permission to rebuke them and be a spiritual authority to them. Do you think that's hard for pastors sometimes with physicians? There are financial dynamics in many churches. There are all sorts of power dynamics there that can be very unhealthy. So it's important for physicians to tell their pastors that they have that permission. So again, I recognize that uh, I recommend that you read this book called The Sozo by Dave Fiedler. He has a new book that's uh, even easier to read, especially toward the end, that uh, I think is very helpful. We don't have time to go over learning objective number three, identify opportunities in your church to improve health evangelism. This was our plan that we presented last year for our church. And by and large, these graduation Sabbaths have been very helpful. We're still doing dinner with the doctor. We've added some cooking classes. Uh, after our presentation last year, we added a stop smoking program because we were so excited to hear what Patty Guthrie had to say. But you know what? None of those things work. I've decided this after... Uh, reading some of these books and thinking just this morning. What works is personal, unselfish service. And I sometimes think that all of these programs, it's kind of, yeah, I'm going to get someone to go to this program, then this one, then this one, and they'll come to some shopping tours, they'll get to know us, do some Bible studies, go to prophecy seminar, be baptized. That's the plan. And as a physician, I've outlined the plan. We're going to follow the flow sheet. But that's not always the way it works. 
Um, this is from Francis Peabody. One of the essential qualities of the clinician is interest in humanity, for the secret of the care of the patient is caring for the patient. Patients know, and people know when they come to your health program whether you really care about them or whether you don't. I wish I had time to tell you a story that happened just three days ago. Um, my wife at one of these health programs met someone and invited them over to our home, and they came, and they were spiritually very open. It's that personal touch, that personal unselfish service that allows us to connect with people. This is uh, the future for our church, and we're taking lessons from the Finley's Church and trying to develop a location that, based on the geography, based on the layout and design, will be a witness in this community to reach people with the gospel. My prayer is that each one of you, as you think through what it is Jesus asks you to do in the community that you are in, how is it that you can improve as a medical evangelist? How is it that you can learn unselfish service from Jesus? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Jesus, we each need to learn from you, the master medical evangelist, the master gospel medical missionary. Help us in our churches to, as we interact with the pastoral staff, to recognize that you have placed them there with spiritual authority to guide your church. Help us to value the emotional intelligence, the expertise in building relationships and reaching out to people and navigating complex webs of relationships. Give us as um, physicians a desire to work together. Give us an um, ability to recognize the value of working together with our pastoral colleagues. Recognize the dangers that exist if we don't. We surrender our lives and our ministries to you. Help us to recognize that you've called us just as much as you've called any pastor to minister to the spiritual needs of every single patient that presents to our care. Make us effective missionaries for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.